Hey everybody, this is Matt. And Nicole. On this episode of After the Kid Goes Down, we're going to watch Beast. Let's go! Beast, directed by Baltazar Karmaker, written by Ryan Engel, currently in theaters. Starring Idris Elba, Chateau Copley, Leah Jeffries, Liana Holly. Recently widowed Dr. Nate Daniels and his two teenage daughters travel to a South African game reserve managed by Martin Battles, an old family friend and wildlife biologist. However, what begins as a journey of healing soon turns into a fearsome fight for survival when a lion, a survivor of a bloodthirsty poacher's attack, begins stalking them. Okay, so we just got home from watching the new Idris Elba summer blockbuster film Beast. Before we get going, Nicole, what are you drinking? Uh, I'm drinking Fiden's Brewing. I already forgot. Oh, The Farmer. Double IPA. I like a double IPA. Is it good? It's delicious. Of course it it's is. It's like super good. A lot a lot of the stuff Fiden's does is, is great. I'm drinking, of course, Mixed Breed Brewing. Their beer called Shorty, which I think I've had before in the podcast. It's a wit beer. So it's a wheat beer. So it's uh, pretty good. Um, recommended. Again, if you ever mention us at Mixed Breed, you get 5% off your bar tab. So you want to keep talking about beer or the movie? Because... Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. What did you think about it? You hated it, didn't you? Not good. Not good? No. Unlike these beers, which are delicious, which I don't want to talk more about them. It seemed to have promise when it first started. Did it? At what point? I don't know. <laughs> the very, very beginning. If I had watched this film, and this was my first Idris Elba film. Am I saying his name right? Idris? Or I believe I just, so. No, I believe it's Idris. I would not think he's a very good actor. I didn't think he was, like, bad or anything. I thought nobody in this movie was good. I didn't think anyone was bad. I thought the girls were atrocious. I thought the girls were good. Oh, terrible. I think two things. And this is where I hate blaming the actors because you just don't know. I think the writing in this movie was some of the worst I've seen recently. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's about a lion it, who's like a, it, who's like well, a deranged well, okay. lion. Okay, so, so what is it about? It's about the story and the screenplay have two different credits here. So the story is man's wife dies. He takes his daughters to the wife's homeland in Africa where they meet their... Uh, South African uncle, uncle guy, guy who is who probably in love with the wife. And may or may not also be killing other human beings. The Definitely poachers. is killing other yeah. human beings, in, which you find out in like the the most ridiculous way. Well, yeah. So anyway, so they go to visit him. They essentially go on safari. Murderous lion is running amok. That is essentially just pissed because poachers killed its pride, and it's serial killing human beings. Yes, it is. That's, it is a serial killer lion. Yes. Yes. That's the story, and I feel like. If I was a movie producer and I heard that and somebody told me 
Idris Elba would, would star in it. I feel like it had potential on that story to at least be a tense, entertaining, and a and occasionally emotional summer blockbuster. It was none of those things. And I really do blame the writing because the dialogue is terrible. Nobody calls their dad, dad, that much. <laughs> dad, dad, is the lion coming, dad? Dad, do you want me to get the gun, dad? Jesus Christ. And uh, the the dead wife thing was like I thought underplayed. Oh yeah, like, totally. <clears throat> he has this great he had not great, but he has this decent speech early on. He's drunk with his his uncle friend person, and he has a speech about how he's a doctor and his wife died of cancer and he wasn't there because they were separated at the time and like death came knocking at his door and he should have known better because he was a doctor and he should have looked death in the face and said get out. And I thought for sure, for sure, they were going to use that metaphor later on. Like, I was anticipating the payoff being the line representing death, which I think it did, but like, I, it never, there was no real payoff to that story, right? Yeah. I, no, there, I mean, there really wasn't, there really wasn't a lot of payoff to anything. Yeah. <laughs> I still don't think that their acting was bad. And I thought, like, it was entertaining enough. Although there were parts, <laughs> there are parts in when they're like stuck in the jeep uh, that dragged, which yes. is like the action part of the movie, and it's yeah. only it's only a ninety minute, like less than ninety minutes, right? Yeah. Total cool ninety, yet it still dragged a little bit. So yeah, it's not really in its favor. No, and I think listen, I think the line killing people was awesome. It was mildly entertaining. But the fact that this movie right now is only in theaters and not streaming, nobody should pay theater prices to go see this movie. If this is streaming in a, in a couple months, which I'm sure it will be, and you are bored on a Tuesday night with your spouse and you're married on the couch, turn it on. And you're married on the couch. <laughs> you're married on the couch. Whatever that means. Turn it on and watch it and have some mild, mind-numbing action. But it's not tense at all. At no point was it in the edge of my seat. I was well, but I'm a scaredy cat. Yeah, I mean, I just I was scared. I thought the end sequence was okay. My favorite. Can I talk about my favorite two parts? Go ahead. of the film. I'm which shocked are, you got two, but go ahead. They're my favorite because they're simply ridiculous. Is when uh, the poachers. Like, they're in the Jeep for a really long time, and they're like, how are we going to get out of here? Like, mm-hmm. if we can't... The, the Jeep no longer works. If we leave, this lion's going to get us. Mm-hmm. In the middle of the night, the poachers drive up, and they're, like, trying to bargain with them to get out of the to get out of there and to drive them home. 5000 American dollars. And they open... <laughs> they open the Jeep, and they see Uncle Martin. And the poachers are immediately like, oh, my God! That's an anti-poacher. Yes. Yeah, terrible. <laughs> it was in in English. Like, they're all speaking another English. language yes. up until that point when they're like, oh, my God. Yes. It is an anti-poacher. And then my second... Especially because the daughter, for the whole first act, is talking about anti-poachers. I've read online, there's a thing called anti-poachers, and then they kill people. Do you do that, Uncle Martin? And the anti-poachers cut, cut poach the poachers. Uh, and cut the shot of Idris Elba giving white guy a side eye and then being like, oh, he is, but we can't say it out loud. I'm like, oh my God, this is going to be... A, like, everything, it was, everything was so choreographed and predictable. 
You know, yeah. it was it was that was a big problem for me. You know, when she's walking through the home in the beginning, the younger daughter, and she's playing with the machete, and she's like touching the barbed wire, and you can tell she thinks like, why does this guy got so much firepower in his house? You know, it was at least a little subtle then. Never again. Never again. Never again. No. Uh, my other favorite part was at the end, the very end of the film, when the eldest daughter explains the plot of the movie. Oh my god! <laughs> As Idris Elba is waking up from whatever surgery he's had after being mauled by a lion, um, I loved that part too. Like, she, folks, she literally says she recaps the, the final fight scene for us in case what we blacked out and didn't realize what happened like just 30 seconds ago yes the next scene <laughs> she's like dad it's a good thing you led that lion to the other lion's pride so the male lions would feel territorial and rip that lion to shreds i want to be like, bitch we just saw that scene yeah. why are you saying it again yeah. like and that's what i mean like I, don't, I can't blame her for that but the direction is terrible the writing is bad and and they were trying they were the director was trying to do something with very long single takes. I don't know if you did you catch that. Like there were a lot of like long takes and not really smooth transitions. Like there were a couple times where they would be inside and then the camera would follow them outside, and you can tell it was a transition. Like it wasn't one continuous shot. But they like they stitch it together to make it feel like one continuous shot. And I think the director was trying to do this like. What I can only think is of what what they did in Children of Men and in Birdman. Like, to try to create this tense kind of, like, you never know if the lion was going to pop up in the background. But they only had the lion pop up in the background a handful of times. It was never that shocking. And instead, I found it to be, like, kind of hard to watch. Like, it was something about how it was shot with those continuous shots and the editing that it like got it got blurry for me at times and it was there was a lot of motion and well, right? I think that I mean I I thought that they were doing the blurry motion stuff to hide the bad CGI because especially when like cuz Uncle Martin raised some lions of course since he they is. were cubs yes. and he um, hugs he hugs them and they I mean I've seen real footage of like lions hugging men so like that was like cool whatever Mm -hmm. but it's like so clearly cgi'd and like he looks weird in the scene but they had just keep the lions moving and him moving and the camera also moving so you're just sort of like dizzy and your eyes are crossed and you're like that's not bad cgi (laughs) but it is but it was like that for a lot of the movie and yeah i kept i kept thinking that and now granted we're both film nerds but i kept thinking this movie if this movie was shot differently it would have been better. Like, that alone would have made it better. Stop with the continuous shots flowing in and out of the car. And like I said, exterior shots molding into interior shots. And there were there would have been times, time they and They should have shot it like Jurassic Park. Yes. She's wearing a Jurassic Park shirt at the beginning because, hello, they're stuck in a Jeep. Yeah, yeah. But and, and like... And like even when when at the and the end of the movie when they go to that the poachers, I don't know, clubhouse. Clubhouse. And... That whole thing was a continuous shot, and it was going back and forth and following, and that was too long. Like I don't, I don't need more than eighteen—that's a very specific number—but eighteen seconds of them looking for the med kit. Two minutes of them looking for a med kit is too long. Well, they were trying to build the suspense of all of the open doors. But like, but yeah, I know, I understand. But and every time they glide past that front door, I'm like waiting for this 
lion to pop up. I know, but yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I kept doing the same thing. I kept looking at the door. I mean, oh, one's gonna come up, one's gonna. But the fact that like it, it wasn't. I don't know if it wasn't paced right, or the blocking of the scene wasn't right, or no. I'm agreeing with you. I no, just I know. I, like they were attempting to build tension, and it didn't. But why really wasn't work. it working? And, and and I think it's because the, the, they made like fundamental filmmaking mistakes. Like I, like I like I've mentioned before in this podcast, like. They were trying to do jump scares when they were, you know, that's a jump scare type of thing, right? You, it but then they didn't. The they didn't give us the jump scare. The, like they but needed. They, they did later because they, they don't. That sequence because he, you can see the, you can see the lion walk in the, in like the, the, in like the tinted glass in the background. But my, 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 yeah, but that's, but they're in a, to, it's at a totally different. But my, my, my point is this. Okay. Jump scares is the wrong thing to go for. This movie should have been, like you said, Jurassic Park tense. Instead of trying to surprise us with a lion, like make us know the lion is watching them and we don't know when it's going to strike. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. don't try to surprise us. Let us in on what's going on and make us feel tension. I didn't feel any tension. Mainly because I don't think I cared about any of the characters either. The first act was too short, too quick, not enough exposition. And the lion... This is going to sound weird because I think I would have complained about this if it was this way. I needed more lion backstory in a weird way. Like, I needed to see the lion be more of a badass and more lethal than it was. You wanted to see it maul those villagers instead of just seeing the, it, the yeah. actor with its or, throat ripped out? Yeah, or I would have I would have liked it see. I would have liked to even seen this. Maybe this is corny, but like... They make this big hubbub about, like, the reason it's doing what it's doing is because these poachers killed its pride. Why not give me, like, five minutes of this lion with its pride before the pride being massacred? Like, just something to make this lion more of, like... it was Instead of, instead of just, yeah. You it's, know... It, like, because it, it, you're, you're reading it as deranged. Yes. The whole time. Yes. Almost like rabies. The, the only, yeah, the only character who sees it for what it is is martin if you're gonna make it like the shark and jaws where it's just a killing machine then again you need tension if you just keep showing it reaching and clawing for people all the time it then becomes an action movie and it loses itself right does Mm -hmm. that make sense Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. ari said that she had a really hard time finding research for this like what did she even I've been curious. There were only two paragraphs on her research. There wasn't a lot. And I feel like this movie kind of got buried. And I wonder how much of that was on purpose. Like, I don't remember seeing a lot of advertisements for Mm -hmm. it. So I picked it out. I've picked out all our new releases pretty early in the season. Just trying to, like, guess what was going to be big and time it out. I don't think I'm going to do it this way again. So, like, there are some movies where that panned out, right? Like, Jurassic World Dominion. Mm -hmm, Like, that mm -hmm. was always going to be big. And, like... Luckily, I think we go see, um, next month, we go see Don't Worry Darling, or at the end of this month, I think we see Don't Worry Darling, which is, um, is, that's getting good buzz. But you just don't know when you're trying to do this in, like, January, what movies are going to be pushed by September, what are we, in August? Um... And so I think I'm gonna I, I'm gonna scrap the way that I did it and do, do it totally different. Let our listeners pick what we watch as a new release every month going forward. Because uh, I just I think I saw Idris Elba and I thought he doesn't really pick bad projects, and so I picked it. Yeah, well, he he picked a bad project here, and and again I could see how the story would be enticing, but the actual filmmaking is bad. I mean Ryan Engel who wrote it 
hasn't written a lot of good things. One of the three pieces of research that Ari found, the director, Baltasar Karmaker, is an Icelandic director. Um, he's done some things I've never heard of, Contraband, The, the Oath, Everest, Adrift. Um, and that it was, it was, there was an article in the in Collider.com saying how it received an R rating. And that was a little bit of hubbub because the director was able to, sh- to film his true vision. And I'm like, that could have been a PG-13 movie. That could have been a PG-13 movie. Like, what? Like, it wasn't like it was loaded with gore. Well, the the villagers are probably the worst part. Yeah, the villager that- with, with uh, her, like, neck, her throat ripped out was pretty gross but yeah but uh, yeah i mean but to me if you're gonna do that and you and you're gonna plead for an r rating (laughs) but then get your money's worth yeah i'm sorry but also uncle martin they they go to this village to what he wants to check in on something that's happening i don't even remember why they go to the village who knows they go to the village for reasons and everyone there is dead. And the uncle is walking through the village going, Oh, man, I know these guys. These are Some of these people are my best friends. Oh, my God, I know. But like I with know. like no emotion. No emotion. Like, They're my friends. They're my friends. He kept saying that. It was, it was terrible. These terrible. people are my friends. They're my best friends. And I was like, what? But again, that's how, how the writing was bad. It was like they were telling us, Hey, audi-, like they're almost telling us, audience members, he really cares about the people that are killed. Like, shh. Like, well, yeah. Like, oh, my God. It's just terrible. The Uncle Martin character was also bizarre. Again, like like you said, they kind of hinted at stuff early on. That maybe he had a thing for the wife. And what was up with the weird dream sequence that Adrian Elba kept having with like meeting his wife being interspersed throughout the film? I don't know. It made no sense. I thought it was going to have like some significance, but then it doesn't. Or maybe it's that it's in the end it end, what like because you keep seeing snippets of it, and then finally he's like wandering through. It's not a cave, but it's a rocky area. I'm assuming it's one of the first times he met his wife. And I don't know if it was... A wedding day? A wedding day. Um, or some kind of ceremony. Yeah. And f- so finally, the last time he has the dream, he sees the wife, but then her voice mixes with Mare's voice, the oldest daughter. Everything is going to be all right. And it's like, is he... I don't know. Moving on and embracing his daughters, I don't know. I really don't know. The problem, my, my problem with this type of movie is when they try to strike emotional chords. Like if you're just gonna be a lion murdering people blockbuster, then just be that. But don't try. You can't claim that's what you're doing, but then try to tap into the dead mom, you know, tension with the daughters because dad wasn't around. Theme. There's a sequence in the truck where he tells the younger daughter, like, it's going to be okay. And the older daughter goes, stop lying like you always do. And they have this terrible back and forth uh, that you can see coming a mile away. Where he, and he literally goes, like, what are you talking about? And she's like, the time you told Nora. Nora that mom was going to make it. And I'm sitting there in my seat going, oh, my God, please don't do this. Please don't do this. <laughs> and they had this whole thing about how he lied and told her it was going to be okay. And Nora really, never really recovered. And then, But then at the end of it, they're all like, sorry, I told that story, Dad. He's like, it's okay. Cue line attack. You're like, oh, fuck. Like, this, this could have been written by a 16-year-old kid in senior film class. Like, 
terrible. Like, yeah. like that's my that's why it gets me upset about it. It's like somebody put that in there because they were like, "Oh, this will be a great moment for this to show like how much tension there is among them." And I want to reach into the writers' room and be like, "This is a case study in how not to give the audience that feeling." You know what I mean? There's a thousand better ways to build that theme and set that tone with the audience than literally have a scene that explains to you those things. This was Exhibit A on Telling Not Showing, this film. You want to know how not to write a movie? Watch Beast. (laughs) You are harsh. All right, let me go to listener. I mean, they're not really reviews because no one's seen this. But um, when I put it out there, Ari said that she literally had, uh, let me just, let me actually read her words here. Truly hadn't heard of this movie until I tried, tried researching it for you because there wasn't um, really much out there. And then in my actual story, I I wrote anyone Bueller uh, because no one was responding and I got from Polly Paycheck, Stringer Bell versus a Lion, which is a reference I did not understand, but apparently that's Idris Elba's character in The Wire, a show I have not seen. Have you seen The Wire? I have not. Okay. Uh, ben Nissen Art says, always, every time, which, is that like a Ferris Bueller reference that I am not I getting? I don't know. Sorry, Ben, I don't get it. Well, and Movies Are Magnificent says, it looks ridiculously fun. Which, I mean, I, th- I think we saw the trailer for this yeah. when we saw... The trailer's more exciting than the movie. Yeah. What did we go see that we saw the trailer? Because I, I feel like, I what was our last... Nope. Nope. Yeah. I was like, shit, I'm going to watch two scary movies in a row. And that, that's what I'm saying. If it was just fun and leaned into it, there were plenty of opportunities for them to have like those MCU corny, but also kind of funny jokes. Like, almost self-aware jokes in this movie, and they just didn't do them. Like you needed like a Jumanji like price check. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> you need those moments, and it didn't have any of those. So you can't you can't chalk it up to like oh it's just a fun line versus man movie. Well, no, they were clearly trying to be more than that. They just sucked at it. The Jumanji lion was scarier than this lion. <laughs> yes, and what I almost started laughing at during the movie was how many times is he gonna tell somebody wait here. They did that the whole movie. His two daughters, who supposedly he loves to death, he keeps going, wait here, I'll be back. And he's giving them times. I'll be back in ten minutes. Like, you're not going to get the milk. You're going to hunt a lion. What do you mean ten minutes? In the middle of a, yeah. of a jungle that you You've never know been nothing about. So what do you mean ten minutes? And then they're like, it's been ten minutes. Dad hasn't been back. You think we should radio dad? I'm like, Jesus Christ. But like, he kept doing that. He kept being like, well, the big dad, don't leave. He'd be like, hold on, I'll be right back. I'm like, he keeps doing that. And it, it, stop playing on that attempt at a suspenseful moment. The I'll be right back moment. How many times was one character going to leave another character alone? Mm-hmm. It happened literally like probably once every ten minutes. Mm-hmm. The water thing... <laughs> drove me crazy too oh my god i was thinking about uh jurassic world when he was in the water and the lion like stands over him not that what water thing that that was like kind of suspenseful when he they have this whole moment where like with the water bottle yes (laughs) maybe those things shouldn't bother me but it's again like i kept well because then they call back to it in his nightmare he's like who drank these water bottles (laughs) 
It's not even real. It's a dream. So there's a sequence where they realize they might have to stay in the Jeep for an extended time. And he pulls out all these water bottles, which, by the way, are all like half or three quarter drank. I'm like, who's drinking all these water bottles? Not finishing them, Matthew. Yeah, me. You are. And leaving them around your mom's house. Correct. Um, And and he holds up these four water bottles. He's like, these are all we have left. And they're like, that's not enough, Dad. And he's like, I know, but we might be in the jeep for a while. And they're like, but Dad, it's not going to be enough. (laughs) And he's like, I know. And I'm thinking in my head, like, okay, they're going to play into this again. Good, decent setup. Is the water going to become a problem? Maybe they're going to be in the Jeep too long. He thinks one night. Maybe they're going to be in the Jeep for two nights. They're going to go find water. Nope. It's <laughs> never addressed again, except in his dream where he has a nightmare about them running out of water. And then they come back to real life and it's never addressed. So- I mean, it's addressed in that when Mare gets, a, gets hit by the lion, she's like, she's in worse shape. He says because you're dehydrated, but that's like it. Can, I'm sorry, I keep finding it nitpicking this movie, but like this line is super deadly, right? We're kind of established that early on because it can kill people 100% silently, which I don't know how it's doing that, but <laughs> let's say it can. Well, I mean, lions are pretty good about like pouncing. it's killing people like six feet away from each other and they have no idea. So it's supposed to be this super deadly line, it wipes out a whole village, but every time it attacks Idris Elba or his family. It, like, can't get the death blow in. It, like, nicks their side. It practically eats both of his legs (laughs) several times. And, like, no big deal. Like, literally, it has a, like, Leo from the Revenant bear attack sequence at the end. And it cuts him in the hospital and he's got, like, paper cuts on his chest. (laughs) And I'm like, this, how come this line murdered everybody else with, like, one silent paw to the throat? But these people, he, like, can't manage to, like, land that type of blow. Like, I yeah. even 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 Uncle Mikey or whatever his name was. Martin. Mar- Mar- <laughs> I'm pretty Martin. sure his name was Martin. I could be calling him the wrong name, like, Uncle this whole Martin time. Uncle Martin gets surprised by the lion. He stumbles back, fires around at it, and somehow survives. Like, that lion has killed numerous poachers up to that point in the same exact situation as Uncle Marty. And, like... It just, like, maims his quad and then leaves him for bait. I know it's supposed to be for bait, but, like, I don't know. It was just, like, a lot of convenient suspension disbelief. Like, if this thing's going to be deadly, it's got to be deadly. It can't be conveniently deadly. Yeah. Like, the shark ate Quint. Spoiler alert. I don't know. Not good. What do you want to give it? Two and a half. Okay, I'm going two. Okay. Okay. So, sorry. But sorry. Probably, probably a reason we haven't seen advertisements for it. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. Please take a minute and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating there. This helps us out a lot in being able to continue to do this and meet our goals as film critics. So smash that subscribe button, rate us, comments, the whole nine. You can find us on Twitter at KidGoesDownPod. Instagram at After Kid Goes Down, and we're both on Letterbox under Nicole underscore ATKGD and Matt underscore ATKGD. We post everything we review there and a bunch of movie lists. After Kid Goes Down is brought to you by Matt and Nicole, researched by Ariana Gracia, music and editing by Kate Falconer, produced by Matt Robinson and Nicole Robinson, associate producer K.
Kate Falcon. Mm-hmm.